0: Adventure podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This episode is from the Rethinking My Life series, and it is called Choosing to Manage My Thinking. <laughs> So we are continuing on in our series here today on Rethinking Our Life. And today, I want to tell you that you have the freedom and the ability to manage your mind. I know you're being fed a lot of stuff by the media that says you can't always control your mind. I want to assure you, you have control of your mind, you just don't choose to exercise it. And I want to lay that out for you today. And believe me, if you'll go with me on this today... You'll thank me tomorrow because life will be much easier. May not, maybe some of your circumstances won't change, but the difficulty with which you handle things will definitely change. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in your your notes there. I'm going to have you underline a part of this. Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world. All right, now start underlining to the end but be changed within by a new way of what? Thinking. Thinking. Circle that. So you have the ability. God never commands you to do something you're incapable of doing. And here he tells you, so change this by, by getting a new way of thinking. That's what this whole series is about, changing the way that we think. See, God is far more interested in changing my thought processes than he is in changing my circumstances. You know what I want him to change? My circumstances. I want him to leave me out of it and fix everybody else, right? But God wants to change our thought process. And he talks about this over and over and over again. Now, we talked about this a month ago. So let's review. This is really key to what we're going to look at today. Review here. Why is managing my thoughts so important? A, because my thoughts control my life. It's just like when you're driving down the road. Have you ever been driving and you look at something off in the distance, and next thing you know, you hear rumble strips yep. or car horns yep. or a siren. <laughs> and you get to learn what the term distracted driving means. Now watch what happens. Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts so let me do a quick comparison as you're sitting here with your donut holes just like what you put into your mouth (laughs) shapes your body (laughs) what you put into your mind shapes your life now the bible tells us that every action in our life starts where starts right up here, starts between your ears, right? Everything that goes on in your life, you've got to deal with it. It begins right here. If you think godly things, you will live a godly life. If you think worldly things, you'll watch Real Housewives of Orange County. You'll think worldly things, right? You'll live a worldly life. Next thing, B. B. Because my mind is the battleground for sin. Listen, the battleground for sin is not fought at the ballot box. It's fought in the box between your ears. My mind is where every temptation happens. This is where every temptation begins. This this is where every sin in my life starts right here. Same thing with you. It starts right here between your ears. Every anger Every bitterness, every sin of lust, every sin of pride, every sin of hatred, fear starts here. Jealousy starts here. Resentment starts here. So the battlefield for sin isn't, (laughs) it isn't all this stuff. These are just kind of the accoutrements to your sin. (laughs) What's actually happening is in here. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to have you circle a couple words in this. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power, where? Within, circle that word, another power within, within me, that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still, where? Within me. So sometimes we're very conscious of, of that internal war, and sometimes not so much, especially if we're enjoying it. But it's one of the reasons we get so fatigued mentally. Have you just ever said, i got to put a fork in today? I'm just done. I'm over today. We're in a constant battle for control of our thoughts. That's why we get tired. That's why we get fatigued. And by the way, Satan knows what gets to you, and he will throw it at you. Now, I know, I think it was, was it someplace in Arkansas or Oklahoma, some county courthouse, they were trying to put a big uh, statue of Satan with children gathered around him in the courthouse yard on public property. And that's kind of what everybody pictures with Satanism. Can I just tell you, Satan is not trying to get you to worship him. Satan doesn't care about whether or not you worship him. What he wants is you distracted from God. That's just effective and it's a lot easier and it doesn't require statues. Yeah, see, you've got to get your head under control. The first place he's going to throw suggestions at you, and by the way, suggestions are what we call temptations, right? He's going to throw those into your process of thinking. The next thing, see, because it's the key to peace and happiness. So an unmanaged mind leads to tension, where a managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure, where a managed mind leads to peace and freedom. An unmanaged mind leads to stress, but a managed mind leads to strength and to security and to serenity. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos, but a managed mind leads us into confidence. Now watch this from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to have you underline again. We're going to do a lot of underlining and circling today. Romans chapter 8. If a person's thinking is controlled by his what? Sinful self. Now underline the rest of the sentence. Then there is what? Death, right? And you remember, we've read this several times. Of Psalm. There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads to death, right? This is what he's talking about. But if he if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, the outcome is this. There is what? Underline that. There is life and peace. See, this is the why behind why we're doing this series. Growing Christ followers take control of their thoughts. We do. We figure out what it is that we're doing, and we measure every thought. We test every thought. We challenge every thought. Now, there's three daily choices that we need to make, and we need to practice these every day with every decision. Someone once said Christianity is the only belief system that requires itself to be involved in every one of your choices. This is for real. If I'm going to have a healthy mind, I have to keep these things in play. Three things. Number one, I must feed my mind with truth. Now, this is one of those things, famous things that Jesus said. And I love it because people who don't even believe in Jesus quote him all the time. As, as if quoting an imaginary character, because in their mind, he's just imaginary. You know, it would be like me quoting Mickey Mouse all the time. I do not believe there's an actual mouse somewhere with a giant castle. Uh, I do believe in the Star Wars section of the park. However, that part I like to go do a little worship at. I'm not going to like, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, the Millennium Falcon is cooler than you can imagine. Okay, so what was I doing here? Oh, we're at church. All right. Um, One of the most famous things Jesus said, and people misquote him on this all the time. John chapter eight, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? it will set you free. And when they shout it at people, they're shouting it, they're using it like a bludgeon instead of a a, a revelation. What truth is Jesus talking about? Matthew 4, 4. People need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every, what? Word of God. See, God's word is the truth that both frees and then feeds the soul. It nourishes us. And if you're not feeding from God's word on a daily basis, you're you're malnourishing yourself. That's going to lead to some significant problems. You're literally claiming to follow Christ while starving yourself spiritually. King David set one example for us. He had every day at the beginning of his day, he had time set apart for God. Now, watch this. He wanted to feed on God's word. Psalm 119. It's my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Psalm 119. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope, where? In your words. So he says, listen, I am up learning more and more about what you've said. I'm feeding on your word to us by memorizing it every morning. Now, I'm going to be real honest. When King David says, I rise early before the sun is up. He's speaking for himself. Um, I am not a morning person. I don't understand morning people. In fact, they're they're a little irritating. Um, Now, my wife, bless her heart, she, she is a morning person. She gets up, she does her Bible study early in the morning, and then I try not to bother her. Um... I, my, my study time is at about 10 AM because God doesn't want to hear from me until after I've had two cups of coffee. All right. In fact, I'm not even sure I believe in him until that second cup's empty sometimes. Um, and so, you know, I get up, I have my routine. It doesn't matter when you do it as long as you set apart the time and you do it. See, if you, you just got to make time for it. God's word can't bless you if you don't know what it is. God's word can't bless you if all you get is some little email or Facebook post every morning just saying some random Bible verse, which I've looked at some of those. Some of those are pretty bad. I, I was on a, on a list. It was an automated Bible verse uh, thing every day years ago, back when that, still, when that stuff was still new. And I thought that was so cool. One day it sent me one that the verse was that Judas went out and hanged himself. Now, that was not like a great inspirational verse for the day. I did not intend to apply that to my day in any way. But you've got to get into it, and you've got to study it. You've got to be in there. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them, when? All day day long. Do you think about God's word all day long? No, you don't. You might not even think about it even once a day. But the Bible says, if you start your day with God's word, then it's there. And when you need it that day, the Holy Spirit can pull it out. The Holy Spirit could go, you just read about that this morning. Remember that? How can you apply that right now? Psalm 16, 7. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Watch. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I've just wrapped up what is traditionally for me about the busiest three weeks of my whole year. It's like before sunrise to way, way late at night. And uh, it's got to do with police week and memorial services and just all kinds of stuff um, going on. But my brain doesn't like to slow down. When I go to bed, it's still spinning pretty good. Um. A lot of times i'm trying to work out solutions for things i'm challenged by i'm trying to help family or friends with solutions they're challenged by some of you send me questions and i'm trying to work out those questions uh, for you and so forth and what's interesting to me is as i'm laying there in the middle of the night and i'm thinking and my mind doesn't slow down a lot of times i turn that into a prayer time and things that I have read that day or the day before start coming to my mind with an application for what you're going through. Some of you know that. Because I've said, hey, here's, go back and look at this verse. Go back and study this situation. See, the Holy Spirit can remind us in the darkness of what we have read in the light. But only if we've read. Only if we've studied. All right, so first thing. Fill our minds with the truth of God's word. Number two, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind is filled with destructive thoughts all the time, all the time. Your mind needs to be set free. Now, how do you liberate your mind? Well, you've got three enemies that are battling for your thought process. Enemy number one, my sinful nature. That's the first thing you got to deal with is your own sinful nature. You see, once I'm in Christ, my, my sinful nature is what I call my old nature, because Christ has given me access to a new nature. Or maybe I call it my lower nature, because Christ has given me access to a higher level of living. Now, whether or not I claim access to that new nature or that higher nature is completely up to me. It's just like if someone leaves you an inheritance, it may be in your name, but unless you claim it, it's no good to you. You can't do anything with it. And so we have to choose to access that higher nature over our sinful nature. See, it's my sinful nature that causes me to think about myself first and not to think about what God once. Romans chapter 7. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious not all of me joins in that delight. (laughs) Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, what do they do? They take charge. He says, listen, there is a battle in my mind, and this law of sin takes me captive, and now I'm suddenly... I am a hostage to my own thinking. It gets in, it just gets a hold of me. Have you ever felt like that? See, what that sounds like is you're like, your brain gets stuck in an endless loop on something you know you shouldn't be worrying about or dealing with. And you just, your brain just keeps recycling over and over and over. It's like a song that gets stuck in your head. Only it's a bad song. Do you ever knowingly engage in self-destructive behavior? <laughs> Holy smokes. Most of us do it even without realizing it just about every day. See, that's the battle. We know it's self-destructive or we think, "Well, I know it's not good for me." That's, you know, we you always overestimate the bad things your enemies are doing and you always underestimate the bad things you're doing. Yeah, I know it's probably not the best for me. That's the battle. And when you do that, you're losing the battle for your mind. You're choosing to relinquish control. Here's an important concept you've got to get in your head in in the box there. I don't have to believe everything I think. (laughs) Do you understand that? Just because it goes through your head doesn't mean it's real. You do not have to participate with all of your feelings. So, you know, I I don't hide it. I struggle with depression. Have for years, still do every day. If I gave into my feelings, I wouldn't be here today. I would be a puddle in the bottom of my closet. (laughs) But you don't have to give in to your feelings. See, the truth is, your feelings lie to you all the time. They do. Just because you think something is true doesn't make it true. Just because you really, really, really believe it doesn't make it true. Just because you have total conviction on it doesn't make it true. Your mind, your heart, your feelings lie to you every day frequently. And part of maturing, part of growing up in Christ is learning to spot the deception And getting away from it, learning to tell the difference between truth and falsehood. See, one of the most important lessons you can ask in your life, one of the most important things you can do, challenge your thoughts. Challenge your thoughts. Sit back and look at them like a judge in a courtroom. Well, I know what I'm thinking, but how do I know that's actually true? You ever been wrong before? Before? Odds are still pretty high, right? I feel like nobody likes me, but is that really true? I feel like I'm never going to get better, but is that really true? I feel like my life is worthless, but is that really true? You need to question, is this really true, or is this, is this just that under undercooked piece of boiled potato that scrooge talked about is it just bad pizza what's making me feel like this romans chapter 8 verse 5 those who are dominated by the sinful nature here's a test for yourself those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about what sinful things so you can stop go okay do i think about sinful things all the time if the answer is yes then what I'm dominated by my sinful nature. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that what? Please the Spirit. So that first enemy, again, inside me, that's my old nature. That's my sinful nature. That's my lower, lower level of living. Enemy number two I gotta contend with is Satan. Again, Satan is not worried about getting you to worship him. He's just, he just wants to mess up your worship of God. That's all he's after. Satan wants to change your mind to all the wrong directions. And I'll tell you what, if you have Christ in your life, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have a power that is greater than Satan. I mean, if, you're, if you are a Christ follower... Satan cannot force you to do anything. By the way, the exorcist is in the fiction section at the library. (laughs) Understand what I'm saying? Satan cannot force a Christ follower to do anything. All he can do is make a suggestion to you. And we call those suggestions again we call them temptations but you're still in control of the temptation whether or not you follow the suggestion. He can't force you, but he can suggest. And when you don't learn how to control your thoughts, you're going to be heavily influenced by suggestions. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour stand firm against him and be strong in your faith all right he's the king of predators and all he's got to do is get you to mess up once if you don't take him seriously all right enemy number three the world's values advertisers promote the world's values TV and movies promote the world's values. Music promotes the world's values. Celebrities promote the world's values. Facebook promotes the world's values. Instagram promotes the world's values. TikTok promotes the world's values. Do I need to keep going? Are you getting it? Do you got a pattern there? The New York Times carried an article a few weeks back that basically stated, if Christians won't accept and affirm anti-Christian values, That we must be coerced, pressured, or forced to accept what is to us unacceptable. One of the major news media outlets in the world has said you have to change or you have to be forced to change. See, there's not really anybody around you in the secular world that's trying to help you do the right thing. In fact, what they like to do is they want to shame you for doing the right thing. They want to shame you for believing the right thing. And if the shame doesn't work, then they'll slander you. 1 John chapter 2. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father but are from where? This world, 2 Corinthians 10. I'm gonna have you circle three words in this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. By the way, the weapons of the world today are primarily political. If you think an election is gonna fix the nation's problems, where have you been? I mean, what bucket are you living under? If you think elections are going to solve things, you're using the world's ways to fight a spiritual problem. And that's never going to be successful. The Bible says we use godly weapons, right? Why do we use godly weapons, right? To knock down the, circle this word, strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We, circle this word, capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to, circle this word, obey Christ. So what's a stronghold? When he talks about the strongholds, what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that I believe with all my heart. A stronghold is a lie that I believe with all my heart. In fact, the lie might be about my future, the lie might be about my past, the lie might be about my sexuality, it might be about materialism, it might be about money, it might be about politics, whatever. But I believe the lie so strongly that I cannot possibly even see that when Scripture contradicts what I believe, that Scripture might be right and I might be wrong. I can't even imagine that Scripture could be correct on this. And so I label Scripture as wrong, as a lie, as archaic, as anachronistic, as outdated, as bigoted, as hateful, whatever. But most definitely, I see Scripture as it is impossible under any circumstances for the Bible to be true because I disagree with it. That's a stronghold. And can I be real honest with you? (laughs) <laughs> I have strongholds. There are things where I read Scripture sometimes and I'm like, come on, God. <laughs> is this really necessary? <laughs> do we have to have an opinion on this? And you do the same thing, right? But I learned a lesson from David, and that is let God win the battle before you even try to fight it. Psalm 119, I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. So even when I don't like what I read, I still believe that it's true. Number three, I must focus my mind on the right things. Let me just I want to mention just three things here real quick that will help you focus on the right things all day long. All right. A, I must think about Jesus. That's the the big one right there. I must think about Jesus. 1956, Earl Nightingale wrote a book called The Strangest Secret, and it was an attempt to teach people the power of their thinking, the power of thought. And here's what he said. He said, you become what you think about all day long. So if I want to manage my thoughts, I need to think about Jesus. I need to think not just like Jesus, I need to think about Jesus. What did he stand for? What did he do? What did he say? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Always think about Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. Here's the next thing, B. So I got to think about Jesus. I'm just think about others. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you figured this out or not, but over the last 17 months, you realize we're in the 17th month of 2020, right? (laughs) That stupid thing just won't die. I stayed up till almost two o'clock in the morning on New Year's Day, hoping to see it die, and I thought it was gone, but it's like a zombie, keeps coming back. Thinking about self has become a well-honed national pastime. Everything is about me now. I have my rights, my body, my choice. I refuse to, mer- to wear a mask for anyone. I refuse to go anywhere. Everyone isn't wearing a mask. If you make me wear a mask, you hate me. If you won't wear a mask, you hate me. Man, I have read thousands of books in my 60 years, so one of my favorite all-time lines, opening lines to a book is still found in The Purpose-Driven Life by Rick Warren. Everybody remember what the first line of that book is? It's not about you. Do you realize how radical that statement is? Philippians chapter 2. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, which was what? That even though Jesus had his rights, watch this, though he was God, He did not think of equality with God or being treated like God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So listen, so what I'm saying here is that when you're in a situation today Whenever you think that situation is making some unfair request of you, you need to ask two questions. Here's the first one. What would Jesus do in this situation? Here's the second question. What do other people need of me in this situation? Think that'd transform your life and how you interact with other people? Big time, right? Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways, of, of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Anybody who starts, anyone who starts thinking about others is going to shine in this world because most of the world isn't thinking about other people. I love this. They're not thinking about other people. That's why we glow. All right, see. I must think about eternity. Man, it is not in our nature to think about eternity. It is not. We're pretty caught up in the here and now. We kind of have this attitude. I'll deal with eternity when I get there. When I stand before God, I'll make my eloquent case about why. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I've worked in 34 different countries. And can I tell you something? When I'm in the developing world, and I'm with believers in the developing world, they have three subjects they talk about at church. God's grace for us, caring for each other, and how great heaven is going to be. When I'm in American churches, you know what they talk about? How much God loves me. We don't talk about heaven in the American church. You know why? Because we got it pretty dang good here. Most of us are thinking heaven's going to be a disappointment. We're going to have to sit around and sing all the time. And Oh my gosh. I have to wear white. Probably even before Memorial Day. Can I tell you something? I love my country. I give my life up for my country in a heartbeat. But seeing people in eternity means more to me than my constitutional rights. Because this life is not all there is. And my personal rights are not supreme. Jesus, though he was God... Humbled himself to do what others needed him to do. See the stuff I'm so worried about—what's happening nationally, what's happening globally, what people think of me—it's not going to matter in just a few years. It's not. It's not going to matter in just a few years. So I joke. Somebody said, "Don't you worry that what you say is going to offend people?" I told them "I'm 60 years old. It's not going to offend them long." <laughs> It's just not going to matter much in a few years, let alone in eternity. I'm going to close with these words of wisdom from the Apostle Paul. It's a little bit long. We're going to close with this. But watch what he says. Focus on what he says. 1 Corinthians 2. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. But not the the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. You say, I don't understand what that means. Sure you do. Who was the 37th president of the United States? All right point made. Okay. No, it was Nixon, by the way. All right. I had to look it up. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though we made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, see, that's why an election isn't going to make a difference. They would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. and we, And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we've received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know what wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who... People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds too foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those, only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach Him? But we understand these things. Why? Because we've taken control of our minds we've given control over to christ and we have the mind of christ let's pray father we thank you for your love for us and we thank you for this opportunity to come today and talk about managing our minds taking responsibility for what goes on in our head taking responsibility for choosing what we're going to accept choosing what we're not going to accept father may we have the mind of christ who, well, didn't make it all about him. He came and he suffered and he died and he came to serve others and he has called us to serve others as well. Father, we thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.